Hi there, this is episode 65. This is an extended special episode today. I'm answering the question, how do you choose a preschool or a daycare? You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hey there, it's Danae. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a Q&A style podcast, and typically every week I spend about 10 minutes or less answering a question from a listener or from a reader. Today I have a special episode for you. So today is an extended version. I want to go into more detail and depth on the topic of how do you choose a preschool or a daycare. I'm going to explain to you how I went about the process with my own kids and give you some of my best tips for finding the right fit for your family. First, I have a quick message from our sponsor. So Kind Snacks is the sponsor for today's podcast. Kind Snacks are awesome. This is a brand that I love and I buy all the time for my family. So I'm partnering with Kind Snacks to bring you all a free box of 10 snacks. For just a small amount of shipping, you can try out the whole variety of Kind Snacks that are offered today. So you can try the pressed fruit bars, the fruit and nut bars, the breakfast bars, you name it. I think you're going to find something that you love for parents and for kids alike. They're gluten-free, have low sugar, no artificial ingredients, sweeteners, synthetic colors and dyes, that kind of thing. So to get full details and to get your free box today, go to kindsnacks.com forward slash simple families. And as always, I appreciate your support of our sponsors. So let's go ahead and dive right in. I want to first tell you a little bit about my story in choosing a preschool for my kids. So for anyone new to the show, a little bit about my background. I have a PhD in child development, and I've studied a lot about different educational methods and a lot about child development. So it might not surprise you when I tell you that I'm very picky and choosy when I pick a facility for my kids. So it's funny that I actually, now we've just moved recently across the country from Dallas to New York. So we had our son in a school for two years We started at the time he was 20 months, and he is a few months shy of four now. So he did two full years of a school in Dallas, and now we relocated to New York, and he's starting at a new school next week, along with my daughter, who's going to be starting with him. She'll be 18 months. So it's funny that I've actually quite literally stumbled upon both of these schools. I'm usually the type of person that researches the heck out of everything. I want to know every detail. I want to know that I've dotted my I's and crossed my T's and that I'm making the best possible decision. So with our school in Dallas, it was nearly across the street from our house, and I found out that they had an infant playgroup, and it was really low cost compared to a lot of the other little kitty classes. So when my son was eight weeks old, my first child, I enrolled him and absolutely fell in love. It was the type of experience when I walked in and I just had a gut feeling, like, This is a place that I want to spend time. This is a place that I want my kids to spend time. This is a place that I want to help raise my kids. A place that I could see myself partnering with. And by partnering with, I mean work together collaboratively to meet the needs of my kids. So sure enough, we spent two years there and absolutely loved it and had a wonderful, very positive experience. It was actually one of the hardest parts about moving was leaving the school behind. So in my search coming to New York, I knew I wanted to find a school that was as close to the school that we were already at. So 
I started looking for schools that had the same accreditation. So accreditation is something that is beyond licensing. So all preschools and daycare facilities are licensed. Well, most of them should be. There are some in-home daycares that are not, but usually those have some kind of license as well. And licensing is the minimum requirements that a school must meet. Accreditation is when schools go above and beyond and meet higher levels of standards. There are hundreds of different accrediting bodies, and they're not all created equal. So whenever you're looking at a school, it's important to look at accreditation. Are they accredited? What's the accrediting body? What's the accreditation called? And look a little bit more into what that accreditation requires. Does the accreditation require that teachers have a minimum level of education? Does it require a certain teacher-child ratio? See if you can familiarize yourself with the accreditation. So I came to New York with the intent that I was going to find a school that had the same accreditation for my son, and it was going to be as similar as possible, and we could just pick him up and drop him off in the new place, and he would barely notice the change. So online, I found a school that just checked all those boxes. It met all the requirements. It looked perfect. It was such a relief. So we flew up and went to check out the school, sat in, did a half an hour of observation, my husband and I, and we both looked at each other and said, no. This is not it. We couldn't exactly put our fingers on what it was, but we just knew when we walked in the school and within the first five to 10 minutes that we were there that that was not going to be the right fit for us. It's so important on big decisions like this that we trust our gut feelings. And we really had a gut feeling that this was not it, even though I really wanted it to work because the classroom looked exactly like what my son was used to. All of the teaching methodologies were the same. It just seems like it would have been such a seamless transition. And I had it all worked out in my mind that it was going to be this great fit. But the reality was it wasn't. So we started driving and we were driving for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And we were kind of checking out some little towns that we were interested in living in. And we it was Friday afternoon at four o'clock and we drove by a school. And I said, wait, hold on, stop. And we pulled off and we stopped at the school. We drove in the parking lot, which I think had one car in it. And I was like, we need to look into the school. We need to check this out. So I called and I said, you know, I know it's Friday at four o'clock, but is there any way that we could come in and learn more about the school and possibly get a really quick tour? And the person who answered the phone was so gracious. And but she said, no, unfortunately, it's just too late. But tomorrow we're having a teacher parent cleanup day. So if you want to come tomorrow, you can meet some of the parents. You could even pitch in to help if you want. So we showed up the next morning, met dozens of the parents, the teachers, the administration, and absolutely fell in love. We walked into the building and knew within minutes that it was going to be a good fit for our family. So this school that we're sending our kids to this fall is not something that I researched. It's not something that checked all the boxes. But I really do truly feel like it's going to be the best fit for our family. Following our gut feeling on something like this is so necessary, but sometimes it's so hard because if you're anything like me and you like to plan, then it's really hard to sometimes feel like these things are out of your control. I really wanted to plan in advance. I really wanted to like the first school that we were going to, but it just wasn't right. So a lot of times I have parents tell me, you know, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know what the best thing is. I don't know what the best schools look like. And in those situations, I always advise just stop and pay attention to your gut feeling. Pay attention to how you feel when you're interacting with the teachers, when you're interacting with the administrators. Are they people that you want to spend time with? Are they people that you want your kids to spend time with? 
above and beyond, that's going to be the best piece of advice I have for you for choosing a school. Now, of course, there are others. Now, I think it's important to pay attention to the buzzwords. So I did visit a school that had a really great reputation, and it had this checklist of amenities a mile long. It was, you know, they had an organic garden, they had culinary classes, they had composting. It sounded, all in all, pretty wonderful. So I went for a visit, and I actually sat in on one of the two-year-old culinary classes, and it was a bunch of kids sitting around holding apples, saying apple, and then picking up oranges and saying oranges. They were learning how to label fruit, which is a great skill, and it's something, of course, kids need to learn how to do, but to call it a culinary class is kind of a stretch in my mind. Likewise, they had this beautiful manicured organic garden, and that's really wonderful. But if the kids aren't getting their hands in there and they aren't getting messy and aren't using the garden, which it was very clear that they weren't because this garden was very, very perfect, probably maintained by professionals, then what good is it really to them? What good, what value does it really provide to kids? So even if you find a school that has culinary classes and an organic garden and all these wonderful things that really sound good on paper, look beyond that. How much value are those things actually going to bring to your child and to their educational experience? A lot of times, very little. Instead, those are just amenities that attract parents, things that sound fancy, things that sound good. So beware of those buzzwords. Instead, look for buzzwords that focused on play. So when you're reading over the website, look for things that say child-led, play-based, developmentally appropriate. Those are all expressions that I look very strongly upon because they mean that they're going to be putting play first. They're going to be handling the curriculum in a way that's appropriate for young children. And sometimes this can be hard to find because a lot of schools are pushing academics really early upon kids. So if you're at a school and you're seeing worksheets and a lot of ABCs and 123s in the very early years, I would be hesitant because that's not the best way for kids to be spending their time. And there's loads and loads of research that tells us that. In preschool and in daycare in the early years, kids should be playing. Another thing is really important to look at is the teachers. So the word teacher has been used in daycares really in recent years. They used to be daycare workers and now they're being called teachers. When the reality is a lot of times they are not taking the role of a teacher per se and they're not a trained and educated teacher. So be sure that you're asking that question. What is the educational requirement for teachers? Do most of the teachers have a high school education? Do they have any continuing education focused on child development and on education? Perhaps most importantly, what's the turnover like? How often are there new teachers going to be in these classrooms? In the early years, we know that continuity is so important when it comes to developing attachment to adults. You want your children to be coming in every morning, every day to the same faces. I can't emphasize that enough. So asking about turnover, asking how long teachers have been there, those are important questions. So moving on, one of the other things that I look at is the artwork. So I always glance at the walls to see the art that's hanging up from the kids. So how great does the artwork look? Artwork look? Does, is 
the artwork the same for every kid. So, you know, I'll never forget the first school that I ever visited. There were little snowmen and all of the snowmen looked exactly the same. Every kid made an identical snowman. They all had the eyes in the right place. They had the buttons in the right place, the nose in the right place. And to me, that shows the work of teachers, not the work of children. Artwork should really be led by the children and it should be open to interpretation by the children. So if you see a lot of artwork that's all perfectly crafted, that would lead me to ask questions about who's leading the activities. Are the teachers really dictating exactly what the kids are supposed to be doing? Or are the children allowed to create and to innovate and to do their own thing and to lead their own education? Of course, art is not a tell-all, but at the same time, it can show us the approach that teachers are taking in the classroom. So lastly, something that I look for when I visit a school is calm. It's really important for me that my kids are going to an environment that's calm. Sometimes we think about preschool and childhood as being this really boisterous and loud, chaotic environment, and it really doesn't have to be. Kids who are properly engaged and properly cared for are often quiet and they're often immersed in some activity rather than being loud and carrying on and causing a ruckus amongst each other. When you look around at the space in the classrooms, that should feel calm too. It should be clutter-free. There shouldn't be a million different choices of activities for kids because even though at first glance that might look really fun, a lot of times that can be really overwhelming to kids. So I really love simple spaces. So simple spaces with just a handful of toys that are educationally appropriate for the developmental stage of each child. So those really are the big things. The takeaway for today is that there's a handful of boxes to check when you're looking at a new school for your kids. But above all, follow your gut. Trust your gut on this. It's such an important decision and your gut is really going to lead the way on helping to find the best fit for your family. So after you do that, Pay attention to the buzzwords. Are you hearing things like child-led and play-based and developmentally appropriate? Are you trying to avoid giving too much value to things that might not really make much of a difference to your kid's experience? Things like if they compost, but the children aren't involved in the composting process. Or something else I've seen pretty commonly is there's a beautiful, beautiful outdoor space, but the kids really don't go outside very often. So be sure to look at the amenities with a critical eye. Try to learn about and understand the accreditation that your school has. And if they don't have an accreditation, ask why. Because sometimes small schools don't have accreditations because the process can be very lengthy and expensive. Perhaps the school is new and still developing. There might be a lot of reasons, but I would always just be curious and ask, you know, why aren't you accredited? If they are accredited, learn more about the particular accreditation that they have are not all created equal. And we can find out a lot of details on those processes online if you just do a quick search. The final two things is to pay attention to the artwork. Is the artwork unique and individual to every child? Or does all the artwork look perfect and exactly the same? And expect and seek out calm. We know that kids learn better in clutter-free spaces. There's research that shows us that. So finding a clutter-free environment for your kids, a space where they can learn in the calm, quiet, but also have the freedom to move and to run and to be boisterous, that's the perfect combination. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This has been episode 65. If you want to stay in touch with Simple Families, go to simplefamilies.com and click Get Started.